Welcome to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast, a show dedicated to the storytelling that happens or should happen when practitioners purchase technology. Each episode is designed to inspire new ways and ideas to make your business better as we speak with the brightest minds in recruitment and HR tech. That's what we do. Here's your host, William Tincup. Ladies and gentlemen, this is William Tincup, and you're listening to the Use Case Podcast. Today we have Cylon from MetaView, and we'll be learning about the business case, or use case, or cost-benefit analysis, however you want to think about it, of why his prospects and customers use MetaView. So without any further ado, or uh, you know, things that are getting in the way, Sile, would you do us a favor and introduce both yourself and MetaView? Sure thing. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for having me. Very excited to, to have this chat with you. I'm Sile. I'm uh, one of the co-founders and the CEO at MetaView, as William said. MetaView is a leading platform for driving the quality of interviews at modern high-growth companies. So uh, the reason we exist is that we've seen when hiring at scale, it's frankly impossible to keep interviews high quality and consistent. Uh, there are just too many different interviewers uh, running too many different interviews for too many different roles and too many geos uh, for you to stay on top of. Um, and this can result in missing out on you know, the best people. It can result in making bad hires. And those things are painful and they really damage velocity uh, and culture. Um, so yeah, MetaView is all about giving unprecedented visibility into what is actually happening inside interviews and then unique data, insights, and training flows to help interviewers calibrate and improve. I love that. So, so you know, quality interviews. I like I, the, the the word quality uh, mm. denotes right. It's it's the modifier that, that everyone needs because you could do quantity interviews, uh, and yeah. it's that's if you if you've got a poor interviewing process, uh, then you've done nothing but just make make more of a problem for yourself. So. How do we, where do you what the lines for MetaView? Where, where do you start in the interviewing process? Is it is it data that comes from sourcing or from recruitment marketing or from applications, and then and then you kind of can kind of root or rank the quality over um, quantity? Like how how do, how does the kind of the workflow work? Uh, yeah, so MetaView starts at the point of actually running interviews. So okay, good, um, good, good. probably helpful to have a, um, a, a bit of a sort of a top level on the actual product functionality itself. Uh, essentially, we have a piece of software that seamlessly joins and then records uh, the interviews themselves. So when we talk about giving you visibility into what is actually happening in interviews and insights and training flows, it's based on actually the core asset really is on being able to record the conversation itself nice. and then transcribe it and then run all sorts of analysis on the actual recording and transcript itself. So our starting point is, uh, you know, there's great tools that are higher in the funnel than, than interviewing. What we really focus on is that tip of the spear, you know, the bit where the, the decisions are actually being made about who we're going to hire by people who are not always recruiting professionals, right? Of course, recruiters spend a ton of time, um, you know, uh, perusing CV uh, resumes or running interviews, but actually your sort of you know your hiring managers or your frontline interviewers, they've got other day jobs, uh, right. and it is not it is not their day job to run interviews. But conversely, uh, sort of paradoxically, they are actually the people who decide to join the company. So you've got this uh, yeah this sort of like uh, this disconnect almost between the, this this point in time where the decisions are actually made, which is the interviews themselves. And the level of data you have about uh, about that part of the flow, which we're looking to solve by actually capturing the interview itself. 
So one of the things I love about this is the recording and then you can then apply it down the road. You can apply some machine learning to that to then figure out what's actually working, what's not working. Uh, and as you said, you can use that to then train people on, okay, this is a proper, this is a great question. This is not a great question. Are you, are you looking to, and, and are your customers looking to standardize the interview process? Or are you looking to help them standardize the interview process? Um, I think standardize can mean different things to different people. I think right, there's like a right. spectrum. I think what we're not aiming for and the type of customers that we work with aren't looking to have sort of robotic, perfectly scripted interviews from end to end. Um, they are, they are I would like for, to ask you the next question. <laughs> uh, go, go for it. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean the robotic part. Oh, I, I see. Like, I see. I thought you were being really robotic there with the so, but, but someone reading from a script, you want you yeah, want to give, so, yeah. We're not really, what, we're, what we sort of are deep believers in, frankly, is that, you know, we are all three three dimensional human beings and all unique snowflakes of different descriptions. Um, and so having like a completely scripted interview is not quite right. But equally, you don't want every interviewer being completely different to, you know, the next interviewer in line, i.e. who you hire is determined by who happened to be available to run that interview today. You do want a good level of, you want very good calibration between your interviewers without necessarily needing them to run the exact same interview. So I think there's a, there's a balance there basically, but to answer your sort of initial point around, um, you know, are we, what, what's a, therefore, what are we looking to help customers with? Um, uh, what we do is we identify um, things like anomaly interviews. So if there are interviews where the amount of sort of time spent speaking by the interviewer is off the charts, like they're dominating the conversation 80% of the time they're speaking, the candidate hardly speaks and yet they still go on to reject that candidate and everyone else had was a yes on that interview loop. You know, that might be something you're interested in where there might be a calibration issue there. Uh, or if there are very few questions asked during the interview or lots and lots of questions and very short answers, maybe the interviewer is not doing a great job of asking open-ended questions that are listing descriptive answers. There are all these signals that you can pick up without having to say, hey, we need you to interview just like everyone else. You can still start to give nudges and sort of moments to self-reflect to interviewers so they can think about how they can be better at this, you know, really key skill. So one of the things I want to ask you is when the recording, can you, are you uh, recording video? Are you recording mostly audio or is it kind of a mixture of both? How, what's the recording look like? Take us into that. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it's completely up to the customer. So audio is required. So you can't get a lot out of an interview without recording the audio, but uh, video, video is, is default as well, but you can switch that off. Um, most of our customers record both. Uh, that's a configuration. Oh, that's awesome. And they can, uh, job by job, they can turn that, they can turn those things on for certain things and turn them off for certain things. Done. I love that. Do you, uh, do y'all have kind of a, a, a library or a recommendation engine, uh, if not now, you know, down the road of, of, okay, this is, this job is a full stack developer. Okay. These, what we mm -hmm. were see trending, these are the types of questions that they respond well to, et cetera. Like, do you see, do you see a way, a, a way, a path forward to kind of having that library or templates or mm -hmm. recommendation engine, whatever you might call it? Uh, yeah, for sure. I see a, a, a path towards that. That's not a, a focus. Building up that data asset is really key and it's something that, that yeah. will, will pay dividends further down the road. But where people actually get the most value right now in that sort of world of um, how do we, uh, yeah, essentially 
train up new interviewers to be just as good as the interviewers that got us here. So let's imagine you're a, you know, a 500 person company who's growing to 1000 person company over the course of a year or two. That's like pretty explosive growth. And you had some really, uh, you, you made a ton of great decisions to get to the point where you were 500 people. What you probably want is your next generation of interviewers to run interviewers interviews in a way that is at least inspired by and, and sort of in somewhat similar to the people that came before them. So where rather than coming up with sort of um, you know, AI-driven recommendations on you should ask this question. Why not just actually check out one of the recordings from one of your most tenured interviewers just so you know how they do it? Like that's a really soft and um, uh, almost like user-generated way of training uh, your next bunch of batch of interviewers that doesn't rely on this sort of, uh, you know, it doesn't need to be over-engineered. It's, it's a pretty simple and effective way to do it. I love that. So we're training people, you know, it's the it's the art and science of interviews, right? And I and I want to get your take on is is it more art or more science? Um, but but it's is is interviewing and interview questions is it subjective to kind of the company and to the role? Meaning, uh, when you're training people up, let's say you and I are at SpaceX, and I've just take I've just done an interview. You've listened to it. And you, you, you liked parts of it. You thought parts of it could have been better from an interview perspective. Um, is, that, is that subjective? Uh, do, you, do you all feel right now like that's subjective? Or, like, or is that, no, Williams, that's, there's science to this. They're, like, they're, they're, it's not subjective. It's more objective than subjective. Yeah. Um, so, so I think um, uh, it's the, sort of the, the answer is the difference between um, it depends on your sample size, right? right. Uh, like any any one interviewer running an interview in any on any one occasion, uh, that is going to be a subjective assessment of whether that was a good interview. That as an organization, you have to take a position on. Like, do we believe this is how we're going to attract great great talent? Oh, cool. Now, pre MetaView, you've got no idea how that interview is even being run. With MetaView, of course, you have the game tape, you have this observability, and you can see. So, when the n is one, when the sample size of interview is one, I think it's I think it's pretty subjective. Where you get to the more objective uh, side of things is when you're looking at things on aggregate, and if you are seeing changes over time. Oh. How your interviews are being run, and at the same time you're seeing a drop in your offer acceptance rate, let's say, then you can start to, you know, at least explore that correlation and develop really data-driven hypothesis uh, as a talent leader, as a recruitment leader, and speak to those functional leaders about what might be going on here and what role their teams can play in bringing that back in line. So, yeah, again, when you're looking at one interview, I think we're not at the point right now where it is, you know, again, humans are highly complex that, that applies to the interviewer and to the candidate and they're going to be bouncing off each other and you want there to be chemistry and you want there to be maybe tangents that people go down uh, and that's like that's good we do not want to change that but when you look at things in aggregate you should start to understand that sort of the complexion of this this process that has taken up tens of thousands of people hours in your organization you should start to understand it so i am a horrible interviewer horrible mm -hmm. like because uh the questions i ask are esoteric uh, mm -hmm. because I really want to, I'm trying to figure out how people think, you know, like what's your favorite Beatles album, you know, like yes. stuff like that. Um, mm -hmm. My favorite interview question is we're all misunderstood. How are you misunderstood? <laughs> you know, like, like really esoteric stuff. So I am mm -hmm. a horrible interviewer. 
horrible. Yeah. So this would actually yeah. help me uh, because of the training that would come afterwards. You go, yeah, that's actually bias. You should, <laughs> you should, uh, you should not do that. Uh, I wanted to talk about two things that you brought up. One is velocity, and the other one that I just brought up, which is bias. Uh, velocity uh, easily translated for everyone is speed, and which we which we all know right now, candidates are moving really fast. So the faster we can take them through a great process and also velocity in terms of the training and getting people up to speed with institutionally how great interviews happen at company yeah. X. Um, yeah. So talk a little, talk a little bit more about velocity speed uh, and how you see it play out with your customers. Yeah. Yeah. You, 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 frankly, you just did a phenomenal job sort of highlighting two of those areas, which I'm, I'm like two of the areas of velocity that we think about, which uh, yeah, happy to expand on. So one is um, like the macro effect on your business of being great at interviewing. And what does that do for your ability to move faster as a business? So frankly speaking, when you manage to, when you run a great process with really confident uh, empowered interviewers, you're more likely to extend and have offers ex- extend offers and have offers accepted by the right candidates. If, frankly speaking, it's hard to prove that by the numbers because, of course, what is a great candidate? That is in the eye of the beholder. But we've got a ton of customers who believe that to be true, and even before MetaView were operating under that that basis. So that's sort of one like the most the most sort of general area of velocity is if you hire people who end up being the bad fit, your business goes slower. If you hire people in the bad fit. And they sort of, um, you know, one bad apple sort of um, uh, spoils the barrel type situation and other people go on to leave, then you're slowing down the velocity of your business. And that's just a sort of a fundamental truth that I think most, most business leaders believe in. The second part is the most part of velocity is specifically how does MetaView um, uh, impact your ability to like hire faster, which then affects your, your velocity. Um, one is when you've got more confident interviewers, um, they're more likely to have the confidence to say yes to a candidate. If you speak to any interviewer or hiring manager, they will tell you when I'm un- uncertain on a candidate, I, I, I sort of fall back to no, because I don't want to get judged if I make a bad hire. And I, if I'm not certain, I'm therefore I'm not going to, I'm not going to do it. So if you can help interviewers run higher signal interviews and really have access to that data afterwards, because they can see the transcript, then they're more likely to get the confidence to say yes to candidates that actually deserve the yes all along. So that's one element. The second is that if you can remove the need to um, sort of have big, uh, big ceremonies to train up new interviewers and big processes, human-driven processes to train new interviewers, and you can do it in a much more ongoing automated fashion as MetaView enables, then your pool of available interviewers is larger. And when you have a a large pool of available interviewers, you as a recruiter have more calendar slots to choose from. It's like very simple. I've got a candidate. I would love that they're already under offer from, let's continue to use your example of SpaceX. I want to interview them as soon as possible. I look at who's available to interview and there are no calendar slots until, you know, two weeks down the line. If you have 10x as many interviewers, you can interview them tomorrow. And so your speed of getting people through your hiring pipeline just explodes. Um, and that's really good for velocity too. So yeah, that's me unpacking velocity. What questions are you receiving or you're fielding right now about bias, hiring bias in general? Um, do, do you mean sort of during the almost during the buying process? You mean, or do you something else? No bias. Um, like uh, you know, sometimes what you what you have is uh, 
biases uh, that come out in weird, weird ways. You know, you've yeah. got, I think Sherm defines there's seven distinct hiring biases. One, well, mm -hmm. you know, like the like me bias. Yeah, uh, yeah. I like this candidate a lot because they're a lot like me. You know, the, the, yeah. the, the last interview is actually uh, a hiring bias, mm -hmm. ironically. So, so, and then, you know, and everyone, everyone's looking at diversity, inclusion, belonging, equity, and quality and thinking we want more diverse, uh, we want yeah. a more inclusive place, et cetera. Have you, are you fielding questions about this as it relates to, because again, hiring managers, as you stated, you know, eloquently, this isn't their, this isn't their job. They, they, yeah. They've got a job. You're mm -hmm. trying to bring in a level of elegance and sophistication to their job so that makes them confident. Uh, but it, it that that might or might not you know bring out biases or it yeah. might you know uh, so just I'm, I'm curious about the questions that, that if you're handling it or, or fielding any questions about bias yeah yeah, yeah. I, I mean yeah uh, thanks for the clarification it comes up a ton I mean m most most of our customers part of the reason uh, at least uh, that they buy MetaView and I would even say part of the definition they have for quality interviewing, which is what we're all about, and part of our definition as well, is around you know, fairness and avoidance of those bias. Right. So the, the things that, our that ourselves and our customers, thankfully we're you know, pretty well aligned on this, um, tend to focus on when it comes to bias and be curious about is, um, I think one level is the, um, like almost the more pernicious, but like less, less evil versions of bias, which is, uh, shortcuts people take again when they haven't got to certainty like if you end a hiring process you you're under the gun you need to hire someone for this role you know by the end of month or end of quarter otherwise you know there's going to be you're not going to hit your objectives uh you've seen a bunch of candidates you've never got to certainty in many of them you're going to fall back on what's called a resume bias right it's almost like the interviews might as well not have happened you might as well right. just have looked at the resumes in the first place and made your decision from that so uh, that's the most that's the most common. Anecdotally, it's, it, the feedback we get from customers is that's the most common way MetaView helps them uh, with bias. Is well, I can avoid that resume bias because I can actually, if I'm not sure, I can get a second opinion because I. It doesn't matter if someone wasn't in the interview with me. I can have them review some of the key parts. They don't have to listen to the whole thing. They can listen to it at 1.5x, and I can just point them to the most important part of the interview, and they can give me their perspective as someone who's a really trusted hiring manager, and I can feel much more confident about my decision and therefore take what previously might have been seen, seen as a risk on hiring that candidate. Um, so that's like a... Um, that's that's super important. The other though is in the um, you know when a few of our customers have specific goals. Many of them have specific goals around uh, you know redressing the balance of uh, underrepresented folks within their their organization. And at the moment, they have a ton of data on uh, diversity sort of before the interview funnel at the very top of the funnel, i.e., who they're sourcing and who they're managing to get into that first interview. They have a ton of data about who makes up their current. Uh, team and who they extend offers to and, and their sort of uh, their, their different backgrounds. What they don't have any data on is how are these different, um, uh, these folks of different backgrounds treated within the interview process itself and are there systemic ways that we might be sort of treating, you know, whether it's different, different uh, genders or different races differently in our interview process. And that's all sort of played out in the interview metrics, but that's much more specific to individual customers where they, they need to look at their data. There's no sort of like there are a few broad trends, I would say, but uh, uh, they really need to look at their data to understand if there's a there's an issue there. What I love about that is, you know, bad managers, right? So we can we can we there's a layer of transparency here that's being applied that we can easily start to see 
we can see with transparency, like this person is just won't just doesn't hire women. You know, yeah. we put for you from a sourcing perspective, there's plenty of women that come through the process, plenty of qualified women that come through the process and they just don't hire women. And now that it gets exposed, there's a light that gets shown on that, which I, I love. Um, I'm assuming workflow, we, because of where we sit, we're integrated into ATSs. Yeah, so uh, that's exactly correct. So all of the scheduling and right. the sort of the core candidate information still sits in the ATS and we, we play nicely with the ATS. Good, 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 good. Demo, um, your favorite, I'm going to ask you who your favorite child is, but but <clears> your, <throat> what's the favorite part of the demo? When you show somebody uh, MetaView for the first time, you're like, I love this part. What is that? Yeah. Yeah, it's, 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 it's funny because uh, there's like the, the new thing uh, that I'm yeah. sort of personally really excited about. And then there's the thing that sort of historically has just been an absolute sort of delighter for, for, for folks when they see it. Um, I'll, uh, I'll go with the new thing. And if you, if you let me, maybe I'll mention the other thing too. But the, the new thing that we've um, uh, just shipped recently is a uh, basically a new feature I really love showing off, which is a new report um, and it's a, in a very clever way helps the customer understand if there are any pockets of inconsistency in their interviews that are being run in the company. And the reason I say it's clever is um, it's sort of uh, easy and not interesting to say, hey, the interviews in your company are inconsistent. And you're like, hey, duh, of course my software engineer uh, sort of coding interview should look different from a metrics perspective to my uh, design manager portfolio review interview. There's no reason they should look similar. Really, the, the, the key is an understanding what Apple can you compare to what Apple and what Apple shouldn't you be comparing to which other orange because it's not relevant. Um, and breaking down that sort of being able to identify what is appropriate to compare to what so that you can identify where inconsistency exists is yeah, a big thing that we've been working recently and is, is proving really popular with, with, with customers as we're starting to roll it out. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very excited when I, when I get to speak to, to customers about that. All right, so go ahead and get, tell us what's, the, what's, what's historically been your favorite outside of the Sure, thank, thank you, thank you. So that feature I just mentioned is very much, um, it, it's to everyone's benefit and it enables great conversations between recruiting and functional leadership where there are those pockets of inconsistency. But really, MetaView has been built by interviewers and hiring managers like that is my that is my background that's the sort of experience i had when i when i along with sharia my, my co-founder decided to to start metaview um, and so we're very keen to make sure that the interviewers themselves are sort of direct beneficiaries of the fact that they're using this this the company decides to use this product um, and so the, the feature that really delights them as well as the folks in recruiting is is coaching where based on a sort of a, a subset of interviews that I might have conducted on the platform, MetaView will automatically generate suggestions of how I can tweak my interview technique. So whether that's, uh, we've noticed that a lot of the questions you ask result in short answers, therefore you might want to ask open-ended questions. Here are some recommended open-ended questions based on the, the types of roles that you hire for, or whether that's your introductions tend to be very short. Here are some good elements to include in your introduction to get the candidate pumped about the, about the company. There are all sorts of, uh, essentially a full syllabus we've created of these, um, these, 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 these nudges and tips that are only given to interviewers when they actually exhibit the behavior that renders that tip relevant. So it's highly contextual, highly personalized. 91% uh, of interviewers say that it helps them run better interviews. Uh, and yeah, we, we're sort of uh, uh, 
yeah, really love to hang our hats on that functionality. I love it. Most recent customer story that you just have fallen in love with without brand names uh, and stuff like that, just a story that people, you're like, I love how they're using this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there was this pretty, uh, pretty cool case recently, um, actually, that comes to mind. Um, tends to be pretty attentive to, to, to these customer use cases, but there was one thing that was pretty unexpected, which is I mentioned that one of the ways that, uh, you know, MetaView sort of one of the, one of the flows that MetaView facilitates is essentially this virtualization of shadowing. So listen to this great interviewer's recording of running this particular interview type at your company in order to learn how to, to interview. Uh, we, we knew that was going to be a thing and we knew that would be that would delight customers because we we were part of those shadowing processes and, and we saw it firsthand. Um, what we weren't expecting was the effort put into by that tenured interviewer. So the person who ran the interview and was and that was highlighted as this is a great interview, we should use this to train others, the effort that they would put in to actually annotate the transcript and the recording with their background thinking on why they took the approach they did in the interview. So this is like people who are really nerding out on their own interview and trying to pass on their sort of their actual thought process, which then becomes this like organic user generated, completely proprietary training content that is hyper relevant to that one company um, uh, and helps the future interviewers be even better. And that was just completely organic. We didn't even facilitate that. They just used the on transcript annotation functionality to do it for that purpose, which was really cool to see. Oh, that is fantastic. I mean, that's capturing, as you said earlier, it's institutional knowledge. It's once we know what a great interview looks like, we don't have to relearn that. Uh, we can we can train on that. Uh, so I, lo- I love this. Uh, Sal, I love what you've built. I love it. And I'm, I'm so happy that you uh, came on the Use Case Podcast. Thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast. Absolutely. And thanks for everyone listening to the Use Case Podcast. Until next time. You've been listening to Recruiting Daily's Use Case Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite platform and hit us up at recruitingdaily.com.